Hello and welcome to the CMEX podcast. My name is Brenda Lee. I'm the marketing communications specialist at CMEX and I'm here with Clarissa McCallum. Hello, Clarissa. Hello, Brenda. Today we're talking about something that's relevant globally and everywhere in the world where there's dairy cows. We're talking about beef on dairy. We're talking about it as a company and uh, in, within the industry. And today we have with us Brad Gilchrist, who is the CMEX beef marketing manager, and we're going to talk about Beef Up. Hello, Brad. Hello, everybody. Thanks welcome. for having me. Yes, welcome to the show. This is already episode nine, so we're happy to push beef to the top of the list. That's good. Awesome. So you've been at CMEX uh, within the family of companies since 2008. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself, how you got your start, and then what you focus on at CMEX? Thanks. So yeah, I started uh, with uh, GenCore at the time, um, straight out of university, and uh, I was a breeding technician then for EastGen, or, or sorry, GenCore. And um, you know, shortly after I started with GenCore and breeding cows there and, and going around dairy to dairy, um, helping with the day-to-day -day service, GenCore amalgamated with Eastern Breeders, which then became EastGen as it's known today as one of the partners for CMEX. Um, and I stayed with EastGen until 2014 um, when I moved over to CMEX, um, working uh, as a marketing assistant on the beef side of things. And at the time in 2014, um, we really weren't talking a whole lot about this concept of, of using beef in, in dairies. Um, beef was really just a, a way to get some cows pregnant um, at a relatively low cost. And ever since 2014, though, we've been talking about how to create more value in these beef cross calves. And, and that value proposition of what we've talked about is, is really where we are today with, with creating a brand um, called Beef Up. And the Beef Up program we've got here at CMAX is, is just a way to um, create these cross calves and, and add value all the way through the supply chain, not just for dairy producers getting cows pregnant. So yeah, it's been a it's been a wild ride from 2008 <laughs> breeding cows day to day to to where we are today talking about um, using beef in a very different way um, with a lot of different tools that we have here at CMAX. So you mentioned the program, which is just a new brand, but we've had it for quite some time. Um, just this is the brand we've gone with in the, in the past year, Beef Up. So when you're looking for bulls, what are you looking for to put them into that program? Yeah, great question. So the uh, as you mentioned, we've had the the idea of breeding beef on dairy for a while, and and the brand Beef Up is something that that you know we're really excited about um, in terms of what it can offer producers, and and a lot of that is really based on the sires that we're using um, for that brand. And the, the sires that we're selecting um, for the Beef Up program are really based around, again, adding value all the way through uh, the supply chain. And I think, you know, if we were just to take a step back and, and look at, at the dairy and the beef industry and, and how they work together, um, it's really a relatively fragmented industry. We've got dairy producers that are, you know, trying to produce milk and, and a really high quality milk product. Um, we've got beef producers that are then trying to rear these calves and, and get them from um, 
consuming a milk product to being becoming a ruminant animal and, and producing a protein product. And, and as they transition from being um, on a bottle to towards more of a ruminant and, and consuming grains and, and grasses, um, those cattle then also transitions hands. And the number of times in the beef industry that those cattle can transition hands is, you know, can be quite significant. And and really our pro, our our um, sole purpose on the Beef Up program is how do we ensure that we've got value for every segment of, of that supply chain. So ensuring that we've got a really strong fertility program for our dairy producers and, and calving ease in terms of getting those calves um, out when they're first born, um, then transitioning into a really healthy calf that's that's going to perform at the calf rear. And then as that calf moves into a feedlot scenario, um, you know, again, ensuring health and, and average daily gain and, and efficiencies is really important. And then as they transition a little bit further in life onto the processing side at harvest, um, we want to make sure that those cattle have a really good experience from from uh, from a quality standpoint and performance. And then, you know, again, all the way through to the consumer, we wanna make sure that this is a, a product that is uh, highly traceable, um, one that's, that's sustainable. You know, we hear that word um, talked about a lot, but um, you know, how do we add more sustainability and how do we add more um, performance and efficiencies to these cattle all the way through the supply chain? To me, that's that's really what the Beef Up brand is about. It's about making sure that not just one segment of the industry is is gaining from from this product. Um, it's about making sure that every segment of the industry is is really getting the advantageous advantage of of having um, really good genetics. And it all starts with the genetics. So if we don't select the right sires and and don't get those sires used in the right way. Um, we could be creating a product that's that's not going to um, perform the way that it needs to for each of the segments. Um, and back to what is that? It's 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 again sires that get cows and calf first and foremost. They come out at at a reasonable birth weight and gestation length. They hit the ground running and and grow and be extremely healthy in an efficient way. Um, and then when we look at the carcass traits, we want to make sure that we maintain quality and performance and cutability um, right through to the end. So to me, it's about bringing it all together and selecting sires that have a balance of traits um, that really hit each one of those segments. So if you're thinking about who the client is, there's multiple clients. And just like in the dairy industry, actually, the end client is probably the most important client, the consumer. You know, so is do you think that's what makes beef up different in that we're not just looking at getting a cow and calf? We want the right calf and all the way through you talk about all the times that it changes hands. So we have how many clients then? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And and you know, it's not so much even the number of clients, but it's it's what those clients are demanding. And, mm -hmm. you know, I think what this brand really does is it rises to the top to to answer to all of those clients being the consumer and and you know, really answering what are they demanding from us? You know, they they want to know where their food comes from and they want to know how it was raised and and you know, they want to make sure that this is a product that is that is something that uh um, you know, means a lot to them, but but also has has done everything all the way through. So you've been out in this in this sphere for quite some time. So, you know, we could talk about 
what's the importance of using the right bow, but maybe the better question is what's the, what happens when you use the wrong bow? Yeah, great, great question. Um, and, and that's where, you know, we look at a lot of the data that we've collected over the last um, decade, really. And, and you know, when we work with the partners that we've partnered with and, and we look at our own internal data that we've been collecting, um, you know, really, it, that's the that's the scary question. Um, you know, the ones that that don't perform, and what does that cost? What does that cost the the dairy producer? What does that cost the calf rear? What does that cost the feedlot? And ultimately, what does that cost our our processors and consumers? Um, and it's you know, for the consumer, it's eating experience. For the processor, it's cutting ability that that inefficiencies that they lose. For the feedlot, it's it's poor average daily gain. Um, and and all the way back down through the the chain and and that is really why we've we've tried to come up with this brand that's that's really outlines the importance of having everything because when you don't have everything into one product and you do select those wrong sires, not only the economics of it but but it's ultimately as you mentioned the consumer who we answer to is is not going to end up getting the product or the volume of product that they're demanding. So with the consumer, they don't probably necessarily even know that they're getting this, right? Absolutely. It's 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 the same protein that they've been consuming all the way along. It's it's just how we get the protein um, produced now is is really what's changed. And it's the quality of that protein that has changed. And you know, the the number of animals that were that are being generated out of this is no different than the number of animals that were generated before. It's just a different type of animal. You know, all of these cows were still carrying pregnancies. Um, it just they might have been carrying a Holstein bull calf pregnancy. And and again, when we look at the data that we've collected, you know, we can monitor the difference between these Holstein bull calves and these cross calves. And and the way that they perform all the way through the chain is is drastically different. And we don't see that trend of the demand for this protein changing in the near future. No, I, I'd say if anything, we're still on, you know, if we were to look at our our growth curve and and usage curve of of this product over the last decade. So let's go back right to 2014. Um, you know, though. The curve was pretty flat then. Again, we were kind of using beef as a reproductive tool, and you know there was still some beef sires getting used in dairies, but it was very, very limited. And and ever since then, we've been on this exponential growth curve of of usage and uptake. And and I really believe that that growth curve is is to do with the data that everybody's seen. And so as these these calves have come through and they've seen how they can perform in comparison to the straight um, dairy genetics, um, the uptake has been extremely well received. And and because we've seen that uptake, um, there's been more and more spinoffs with this beef on dairy program. And there's been more and more people that have wanted to get involved. And, and as we see national um, cow numbers, native beef cow numbers decrease, there's a demand and a need for these cattle to be able to meet the demand for the protein. So as our consumers are continuing to demand a high quality product to consume, our feeders need to be able to fill that demand with the supply. And because our native cow, beef cow numbers have been declining over the last decade, 
this is a way for us to help to fill that void and ensure that our processing plants um, have the capacity to to process and harvest the number of cattle that are being demanded by the by the consumer. And so I think, you know, to your question of, you know, how long is this going to last or or when is it going to finish? You know, honestly, this is here to stay. This isn't a trend. This isn't something that's you know going to be one and done. You know, I, I really see a lot of the data that we're getting from this and the quality of carcasses we're able to produce. Um, that that demand and that supply is going to be step in step for for quite a period of time. So back in 2008, when you started as a technician, you talked about how using the beef bull was as a as a fertility tool on maybe hard breeders or you know just bottom end or you know just as a reproductive tool. Fast forward that many years, now we're in 2023. On the dairy, how are they using the beef on dairy program differently? Yeah, great question, and and I think you know when we talk about CMEX and what CMEX stands for, it's really about the suite of solutions that we have. And to me, the the suite of solutions that CMEX has is is really what's driving this this whole program. And so as we've got you know Elevate and CMEX Works and Optimate and all of these solutions that we use on a daily basis with our dairies. This is another way for us to then capitalize um, the value that we're trying to create. And so as we do some genomic testing through Elevate and we identify which females are really going to be extremely progressive in our dairy herds from a genetic standpoint and producing milk and protein, um, we can also identify which females are going to be best suited for this beef on dairy program. And, and you know, these beef up calves then are created out of the bottom half of these of these herds um, which is really what's driving the volume of calves that we're able to produce now so as you mentioned switching from it being a reproductive tool which is you know the bottom one or two percent of the cow herd or ten percent maybe at the very more low the very most you know it's transitioning into being something that's that's potentially um 50 to 60 percent of the cow herd based on your reproductive strategies and, and the amount of sex semen and, and the amount of genetic gain that that producers are really trying to capitalize on on their dairy herd so one question one of those producers might have is can i just get this sexed i want this sex male yeah and, and that's that's a, a shift that we're really starting to see right now in the market um you know when you again we look at the data and we see what not only straight dairy genetics can do compared to these crosses but then we start looking at the different sexes and we see that you know a, a sexed cross a female cross compared to a male cross um, and the the differences that they have both in in average daily gains and conversion rates uh, cutability marbling um, and all the quality products that we talk about you know there there is a value proposition to be made that that we should be looking at sorted male product and and as you know we we see commodity prices globally on the rise and our cost of production on the rise you know that that spread between what the the heifer calf is worth compared to the male calf um, is drastically spreading and as that spread you know increases we are starting to see um, places around the world where it is more valuable to be using sexed semen um, compared to a conventional beef dose. And, and I only think that that's, to me, that's just one step in, in 
the the progression of where we're going or where we've come from and where we're going with with this beef up program um so you know we are excited to offer um some of our beef sires uh, in the beef up program as as sexed options and and those options are available globally um you know both in the eu as as well as um in in north america here um but uh and, and from a genetic standpoint, we're not limited to uh, the quality of of the cattle that we're able to supply as a sex product either, which is really exciting. And another thing that's probably come up and you've been asked before, you know, are there blends of sires? We have a power mix that we offer. Do you see us adding a power mix per se to the beef up program? Yeah, great question. And, and you know, the way our power mix has been traditionally is 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 as that reproductive tool and all of the science that we've put into this power mix product is is based on improving our fertility and so the way that we create our power mix product is is much different than than what some of our competitors are doing um and it's it's really again focused on fertility now because that's our priority on the power mix i i would say that there is some challenges with it when we talk about it from a um, beef up standpoint. The beef up brand is is 100% targeted at dairy producers that need to um, create a valued product from a beef chain standpoint. And the power mix is, is a 100% fertility product. And the issue with when we try to blend the two of them together, it's you're trying to go and use a specific set of traits for the beef up program and and make it fit into a fertility product and i think that's where the challenge for us today is that we need to ensure that we've got our priorities set right on the fertility side of things um, before we try to make the traits of the beef up program fit into those fertility parameters and with our internal program that we've got started um, in the future, there is going to be a strong um, ability for us to do this um, with a number of full brothers that are that are very, very similar in traits um, that will have the selection to be able to ensure that we can create a, an extremely high fertility product that also has very, very similar traits. Awesome. I'm going to call that breaking news. <laughs> that, so, that is that is breaking news her we're, here first it, it is coming soon and i think we've already talked on the side that we're gonna we're gonna have another episode where we really deep dive into the internal program and make sure that everybody's aware of how vast that program is and, and our plans for the future there so a little bit on the future you did talk about the market will be there we see the consumer wanting this and it's not displacing any product already on the market. It's just adding value to what's already there, making it better for everybody in the in the whole process. But where do you see this, you know, as part of CMEX's plan for the next five years, 15, 20 years in the marketplace? Yeah, and I wish, you know, I wish sorry, I had that's crystal, a big question. I wish I had this crystal ball <laughs> that, you know, would just make life so much easier if you could predict what's gonna happen. But you know, I think the the one thing that the last five years really showed us is that, you know, the the world is getting smaller uh, in in terms of um, the way things move and and the way things happen. And you know, if I think back to COVID and and what happened is, you know, we we saw how fragile some of these supply chains could be, um, and what that did for a lot of 
companies is is they really understood or or needed to understand where are we going to get our supply from in the future and and how are we going to to ensure that that supply meets the standards that we need it to to meet whether that's traceability uh, animal welfare um, quality all the quality standards we talk about um, but so really what what I think is going to happen in the next five to ten years is we're going to see companies want to ensure their supply and whether that's uh, supply of milk products whether that's supply of of beef products you know these these companies are going to want to ensure that they've got the the product right from the very start all the way through the supply chain uh, right to the very end and and as as some of these supply chains are developed and and demanded by the consumer um, there's going to be more and more parameters put in place on on what's important and um, again first and foremost is quality um, but i think you know we're starting to talk more and more about traceability and ensuring that we know where these these our food comes from and how it was raised uh, and I think those are all going to be really important talking points um, for companies that are that are really looking at, um, you know, how do we ensure supply? On top of that, I, I think it's this also spins a little bit into the environmental conversation that that we have in some markets and and some markets more so than others. Um, you know, I feel like in there's markets where they're a lot further ahead on the carbon credit conversation um, and greenhouse gases. Uh, conversation and I think again when we when we take a step back and look at what CMEX has done over the last short period of time and talking about methane emissions and 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 you know some of the efficiencies that we can put in place on on different genetic values um, I, I guess what I'm looking in five and ten years from now to me the the future is awfully bright with what we can do with with data and aligning uh, some of these genetic programs with that data so, Brad, what uh, exactly are growers looking for in these calves that we have with our beef up program? Yeah, so they're they're looking for a lot of things, really. And and you know, when you say the word grower, I think about the further down the line. You know, again, first and foremost, um, with our dairy producers, we want to maintain a minimum threshold on fertility and, and calving yeast. So we we want to look after our dairy producers and making sure that they get what they need. But then also, as we're talking about the growers, these calves need to grow. They, they need to come and, and get onto a milk replacer or, or a whole milk product and perform and at, at be extremely healthy. Um, you know, and I think, again, the, the things that we've done on the dairy side with immunity, we're, we're really piggybacking off of that on the beef side as well and, and looking at what we can do to, to make these calves healthier, healthier at an early age in life but then all healthier all the way through um, as we get to harvest and so you know i think back to you know too when we talk about sustainability and we talk about the environment um, you know it's not only just about growing and how fast can we get them there um, it really it's what how do we how are we more sustainable how do we leave um, this earth that we've come to in a in the same or better way for future generations and you know i think these these cross calves that we've got you know that they, they do have a unique ability to to be able to be measured um, and traced all the way through from conception um, right through to harvest and and that ability to, to trace them is, is, or traceability of them is something that 
we're able to then put some data behind and, and follow um, what what happens to them all the way through and, and then use that data to, to make a, the next generation better. We've talked about a lot uh, in this space. We've talked a lot about um, being carbon neutral by by a certain date. And, you know, the, that that <clears throat> that date sometimes is, you know, 2050, sometimes it's 2030. And, you know, I think as producers, sometimes we think, well, that's a long ways away. And, you know, what can we really do today to, to get to 2030 or 2050, whatever the dates we're talking about? But in the genetics world, if, if we're thinking about trying to be somewhere by 2030 and we're sitting here today in 2023, those sires that are being born today won't start producing semen for two years. Those calves out of those sires then won't be harvested for another two years. And all of a sudden, 2030 is happening today from a genetic standpoint. And I think that's something really important that we need to keep in mind is, you know, all of the decisions we're making today in terms of adding value and creating value and ensuring that these calves can grow and perform. Uh, it, it's not about what we need today and what the growers need today. It's it's really about what are they going to need in in six, seven years from now? And how do we make sure that we're aligning our beef up program with what their needs are for their for their carbon neutrality by 2030. So you do have a crystal ball. Uh, it's broken sometimes, but we, <laughs> we try to look in it as much as we possibly can. No, I think I think that's great. And I think, you know, if, if a dairyman thinks the same way about his herd and in, increasing the genetics for the dairy portion, it's just no different. Absolutely. That's, that's a great point. And and that's actually something that I I would like to you know, elaborate on a little bit because, sure. you know, those those dairy producers, we put a lot of time and effort into that top half of the herd. You know, we're 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 constantly doing genomic testing and we're constantly monitoring actual um, production on these cattle and health on these cattle and, and type and confirmation on these cattle. Um, and, you know, I think we do a phenomenal job of, of managing how do we move the top half of the herd better and, and always improve generation after generation. And, you know, I think on this beef up idea, it's, it's really about taking that same mindset that we use on the top half of the herd and how do we now maximize the, um, the income that we can generate out of the bottom half of the herd. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, you know, if we use that same mentality of saying, okay, we've got this group of females, whether it's heifers or cows, you know, how do we now generate the right kind of calf that's going to be profitable all the way through the chain out of this bottom half of the herd? No, great point. Great point. It's, it's no different. You have to apply the same logic to both ends of the spectrum there. So we thank you for joining us. We have one more question that we always ask, and you're subject to it as well, Clarissa. Brad, what is your favorite bowl of all time? Favorite bowl of all time. I'm probably a little bit biased. Um, you know, I'm an Angus breeder myself, so I, I probably have to stay within the Angus breed. And, you know, if I look at all of the bowls that, that we've created um, in the past, and the ones that we've marketed in the past, uh, some of my favorite bulls would be more on the phenotype side of things, and and I have to uh, I have to say the bull um, Musgrave Colossal 316 is is one that comes to the top of my list, 
an extremely Cavanese bull that's highly maternal and just a phenomenal looking individual. Awesome. Well, we thank you for joining us. We have some, you know, we were able to get some breaking news out of you <laughs> about a possible power mix coming. Yes, I pried it <laughs> out of you. And um, I think we're going to look forward to visiting with you more on, on future episodes. So thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. If you like this podcast, give us a four-star review. It really helps others find the show and learn more about CMEX, our people, our programs, and our services.